At the end of October, Boulder County got its first major winter storm. Snow started falling overnight and temperatures dropped to seven degrees. My weather app called for ice fog conditions and by morning, more than 12 inches of snow had piled up. There was no sign of it stopping. By 9 a.m., it had warmed up to around 10 degrees and it didn't get any warmer than 14 degrees at any point that day. I layered up and set out for downtown towards some of the makeshift encampments on my bike. A few weeks earlier, the city had announced substantial changes to its severe weather sheltering program, adding some more restrictive rules and further consolidating the number of beds available to unhoused people. The changes garnered mixed reviews, and on that first stormy morning, I wanted to see how people who didn't end up at the shelter had fared overnight. Just past the municipal building, I met a man curled up in an emergency blanket underneath a metal bridge. He poked his head out from his sleeping bag and propped himself up on his elbow. Um, what is, what's your name or how would you like to be identified? Mark. Mark? Good morning, Mark. Um, did you stay out here all night? Yes. And, um, what made you choose to stay here under the bridge right near the library? Uh, I thought I'd be out of the snow, but it's blowing everywhere, so. Yeah, how did that work out? Well, okay. <laughs> his breath fogged as he spoke. His eyes were squinty and his nose bright red. Could you describe what the night was like? Um, when it started snowing, um, it the temperature felt like it dropped and it got colder, so um, I wrapped in uh, this other blanket. Yeah, one. an emergency blanket. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, did that keep you warm? Warm enough. Warm, warm enough? enough? Yeah. Um, can I ask you, Did have you tried to stay at the shelter before? Uh, no, I don't like going to the shelter because there's, there's fights and yelling and Stealing, it's just not, I don't feel safe there. Mark figured the bridge would keep him dry, and it mostly did, which is a good thing, he says, since exposure to moisture exacerbates frostbite and hypothermia and hastens death. It's not that he wants to sleep out here, but like he said, after witnessing violence and thefts at a variety of shelters, he's soured on going there for help. But uh, it's all due to COVID. Yeah, you are not alone in that situation, huh? It's all due to COVID-19, he says. After struggling to collect unemployment in Albuquerque this summer, he hightailed it to Denver, walking part of the way and hitchhiking the rest. Now, here he is, sleeping under a bridge next to Boulder Creek. He told me he plans to stay in Boulder until he can figure out his unemployment situation, and he'd stay under that bridge until the snowstorm stopped. He didn't want to lose his dry spot. People like Mark are scattered all over the city. That same day, I saw people wrapped in tarps and blankets and tents, escaping precipitation beneath underpasses and tree canopies, stuffing sleeping bags with newspaper, curling up in the fetal position, trying to stay warm. This happens every winter, not just in Boulder, but around the country, too. As I've said before, the problem of homelessness is not unique to Boulder, but how Boulder approaches homelessness solutions is somewhat atypical. 
particularly when it comes to the city's new plan for severe weather sheltering. I'm Emma Athena, and this is Unhoused, a podcast collaboration between Boulder Weekly and KGNU. In episode six, our final episode, we'll examine Boulder's severe weather sheltering program, or the way the shelter system expands in winter months to accommodate for higher numbers of people requesting beds, and to account for the added dangers that snow and freezing temperatures bring to people experiencing homelessness. This winter, there are fewer shelter beds in Boulder's system than there have been for years. You know, basically, as I understand it, the plan is, you know, to, and, you know, this has been the plan for all services, but everything's pretty much been consolidated under the umbrella of the Boulder shelter. That's Isabel McDevitt, the executive director of Bridge House, a homelessness service nonprofit here in Boulder. This is the first year that Bridge House really isn't at the table in terms of putting together the plan. Um, you know, since the since 2017. For the past three winters, Bridge House ran Boulder's severe weather sheltering program, plus a year-round short-term sheltering program known as Navigation Services, at a leased location off of 30th Street. During this time, Boulder Shelter for the Homeless primarily focused on serving those with disabilities and or those committed to finding stable, permanent housing, though it's always also sheltered short-term clients, too. When Bridge House's severe weather shelter beds filled up during the winter, Boulder Shelter for the Homeless would routinely take in the overflow. This summer, the city's contract with Bridge House expired, as did the nonprofit's lease on the 30th Street building. It was then that the city moved the short-term navigation services program into the Boulder Shelter, a move that eliminated 50 beds from the city's shelter system and closed one of the final locations supplying day services in Boulder. To prepare for this winter, city staff announced in September the severe weather sheltering program would also be moving to the Boulder Shelter and that those seeking shelter through the program would be subjected to a new 7 p.m. curfew. With COVID-19 social distancing protocols in place, Boulder Shelter has rearranged its layout to safely offer 140 of its 160 total beds, plus between 20 and 45 hotel rooms that they'll offer depending on exactly how cold it gets. You know, that's, that's significantly less than it was in past years. It's right about half, actually. Last year, before the consolidation, there were 282 beds available. The numbers themselves are a bit complicated this year, since the beds at the shelter are now split among three different sheltering programs. The long-term housing-focused services, the shorter-term navigation services, and now, during the winter months, also the severe weather sheltering services. I met with the shelter's executive director, Greg Harms, on site in the North Boulder shelter for a tour of the facility and more of an explanation for exactly how things will work. Welcome to the shelter. <laughs> so um, we are, we're standing here in the lobby, or what would you call this room? Yeah, this is the intake lobby. Okay. So um, right out these doors, this, this is where the process starts every, every evening. We open up these courtyard doors and people queue up here um, 
to check in at the front, at the front desk. So the doors open first for those who have reserved shelter beds, which you can do if you've already enrolled in the housing-focused and navigation services programs. To get into those two year-round programs, you have to go through the coordinated entry system that Homeless Solutions for Boulder County, or HSBC, designed in 2017. Starting this year, they implemented a new qualifying rule. To access services in either of these two programs, no matter the time of year, you have to prove that you've been in Boulder for longer than six months. For everyone else, it's first come, first served. So what, what happens on severe weather shelter nights is we don't change our capacity, but we change the criteria for who can stay. So from December until mid-March, if there are extra shelter beds not taken up by the housing-focused and navigation service clients, then the leftovers are designated as severe weather beds, and they're made available to whomever seeks it, regardless of the residency record. There's a shoulder season of sorts, too. Between October and December, and then again between mid-March and May, severe weather shelter beds will be made available conditionally, only if overnight temperatures drop below 32 degrees or 38 degrees with precipitation. So if someone shows up at our door and they're new to town or they don't, they're new to homelessness and they don't understand the rules, we give everybody a grace night. Um, but we tell them they have to go through the process the assessment process the next day. The very coldest nights will trigger the city's ability to rent additional hotel rooms for particularly vulnerable people. These are nights when temperatures drop below 10 degrees or more than six inches of snow accumulates. Using hotel rooms to shelter unhoused people is new this year. It's a practice the shelter began in the spring as it responded to the coronavirus giving elderly and vulnerable people their own isolated spaces and thereby freeing up some shelter beds for others to use. So adding together the shelter beds that aren't pre-reserved, the hotel rooms already allocated for those at risk of COVID-19, and the severe, severe weather triggered hotel rooms, it could all total as many as 90 beds. And again, this would only be for the coldest of the cold nights, 10 degrees or below. In a nutshell, the number of available beds to people who don't or can't reserve ahead of time will change a little bit every night. Vicki Ebner, the city's homelessness policy manager, told me it's very uncommon for all of the program beds to be used on a given night, but in the event that they are, that would mean there aren't any severe weather shelter beds available or set aside. I asked Greg Harms from the shelter what would happen if the demand for shelter beds is higher than the number available. Um, so people with re reserved beds come right in. Um, and then people who are flying standby, like if you were at the airport, mm -hmm. we do a lottery for the beds and and what happens, you know, to the folks that you can't welcome in on a given night? We, we give them a blanket and a, a meal to go. It's worth noting two things here. First, the lottery would happen any night there's more demand than availability, not just in the winter. And second, as we covered in episode four, it's technically illegal to sleep overnight with a blanket in Boulder. But people sometimes have no choice. 
By Harm's account, the new programming is designed to make the most of available resources, and it'll help keep the system from being overwhelmed. You know, it, I call it the N plus one problem. You know, whatever N is, you're, someone's going to ask me, but what happens when there's one more? And, and five years ago, we had 450 beds. And we still had the N plus one. In fact, it was worse. We turned away more people four years ago when we had 400 beds than we did last year when we had 140 beds. So um, we will always have that problem. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether we have a thousand beds. I'll always get that question. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's an easy one to ask too. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, but you know, n plus one when n is infinity is infinity, and we can't, we don't have the resources to offer infinite, inf infinite housing or infinite shelter space. Yeah. So, um, another way I talk about it is, we don't have, we cannot solve a national crisis with local resources. And frankly, Boulder probably does at least their fair share, if not more, um, compared to other communities. So as we house people, we free up space here. And that hopefully will allow us to consolidate the severe weather shelter here and using, using the hotel as a safety valve you know, we're, we're hopeful and fairly confident that we'll be able to help, you know, serve most everybody who needs help. Mm -hmm. That just about sums up HSBC's vision for how to solve homelessness, providing more housing in lieu of more shelter. Vicki Ebner says this approach has made an impact at the shelter, relieving some of the population pressures and drawing the average number of people enrolled in the shelter's long-term housing focus program from 104 people a night in September 2019 to 89 people a night in September of 2020. Our, our mission statement right here on the wall um, is really to create avenues to stable housing. So we provide shelter, but that's not really what we're about. You know, this, the shelter is a way station to the solution. The city plans to educate people about Boulder's limited service opportunities in hopes that it'll encourage people to seek shelter elsewhere. Kurt Fernhaber, Boulder's Director of Housing and Human Services and an HSBC board member, he says education is playing a big role in this year's communication with unhoused community members. Both providing the services, but also providing the reality. Say, look, we have 180 beds in our community this winter there's probably you know 400 people on the street right now you're likely not going to have a place to stay this winter um and we don't want people to die on the street so we need to be realistic with them um about what winter is going to look like um and if we can help them that's great we will but if we can't help them we also need to tell them that Here's Greg Harms again. But if you came here expecting to get a housing voucher and housing in Boulder, it's not going to happen. Right. So we're going to be honest with you and not put you on some list for five years, right? right? 
Um, however, if you've been in Boulder for 10 years and you've been struggling with mental health issues and you've been on the streets and um, you know, you're, you're clearly have ties to this community and clearly are struggling with some disabilities, you're gonna go to the top of the housing list. Mm -hmm. And those are the folks that we're, we're working with the most to try to get them, uh, you know, the, the people who use this facility and use the court system and the emergency room at the hospital and the jail and, you know, if we can take those people out of the system, it frees up resources for everybody. So, you're right, we don't have enough. And so, we, we deal with that reality every day. By consolidating all of the shelter programs into one building, operational costs have been reduced by about $100,000. These savings are being allocated to housing services, and there are plans to turn the 30th Street location, where the severe weather shelter used to be, into affordable housing units. This is all part of HSBC's long-term plan. More housing, less homelessness. To reach that goal, HSBC is supposed to be working in conjunction with the Metro Denver Homeless Initiative, which has a mission to reduce homelessness throughout the entire Metro Denver region. Six other counties are involved in this initiative, too. It's a system that the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development designed, calling it a Continuum of Care, or COC. Matthew Mayer, the executive director of the Metro Denver Homeless Initiative, he explains the continuum of care philosophy. So in order for a community to draw down homeless service funding from HUD, they're required to form what's referred to as a continuum of care. In the case of Denver, the decision was made a long time ago to apply as a unit for the metro region, so all seven counties. Best I understood, the, the, the rationale for that was that homelessness is regional, that people don't just stay within one um, municipality. They move around. Mayor says it makes sense that HSBC is consolidating its resources and doubling down on its efforts to create housing opportunities. But, but the, re the, the truth is, you know, have, you know, a shelter system is a compromise itself from just getting people housed. If we just get people housed, then we don't have to have, uh, you know, be allocating as many resources to these kinds of temporary solutions. But as we've discussed, affordable housing is difficult and slow to come by in Boulder. And Mayer recognizes this reality. He himself lives in Boulder. You know, people don't like seeing people out in the winter, of course. Yeah. Um, it's terrible. Um, and at the same time, the minute someone talks about doing an affordable housing project within a given neighborhood, the neighbors are in an uproar about how that's going to affect their property values. There's a, there's a tension there. People have to go somewhere in our community, right? Like, you know, if you don't want people to be out in the middle of winter, you may want to support that affordable housing project in your neighborhood. Because the two are related. And so I don't think that, I think a lot of the, you know, my fellow neighbors here in Boulder don't recognize that connection. Mm -hmm. the, on the one hand, they have a lot of compassion and, and concern about people being on the street, which I applaud and agree with. 
and on the same token, they don't really want those same, you know, those same people, you know, to have an affordable housing option in their neighborhood. And I think people need to really think about that because it is doable. Like we have, you know, we could sit down in Boulder and, and many communities and purchase the properties and establish and change the zoning, right, you know, requirements and, and get people housed. You know, it's not an undoable uh, solution. Mm-hmm. It's just that people, you know, put up obstacles to it. This connection between homelessness and affordable housing is something all of Boulder service providers have pointed out to me in one way or another. Something else Mayor points out is that beyond the absence of a concerted effort to seriously examine and remedy Boulder's housing is a clear backdrop of residents that resist change. We don't have enough housing resources uh, for the number of people who are unhoused. So in those circumstances, the best thing that can be done, you know, under normal circumstances, no COVID, the best thing to do would be to get people into congregate shelters where they can be warm and dry. Of course, we are still dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. It's made congregate sheltering difficult. But other communities are trying to respond to this challenge by expanding their shelter spaces, not consolidating them. I talked with Steve Berg, the Vice President of Programs and Policy at the National Alliance to End Homelessness, and he told me with the additional coronavirus complexities, many communities are still hammering out operational logistics for this winter's sheltering season. In Nashville, Tennessee, shelter providers are building upon their use of a fairground site which was converted earlier this year into auxiliary shelter space to help distance unhoused clients and provide COVID-19 medical attention. Now they're adding a severe weather shelter to the property as well. Over in Surrey, a city southeast of Vancouver, Canada, additional churches are being used to spread out severe weather sheltering between five smaller locations. And according to local papers, this will be the first winter that service providers plan on keeping shelter spaces open every night instead of only sub-freezing nights. In King County, Washington, which includes Seattle, service providers determined that churches, which is something they typically use for severe weather sheltering, wouldn't be an option this year due to the lack of modern ventilation systems and concerns about virus spread. Instead, the county plans to inject $4 million into the existing system, giving nonprofits the ability to make their shelters safer with things like interior partitions in dorm style sleeping areas. Then, planning ahead, the elected officials in King County have proposed a new countywide 0.1% sales tax, which would be used to buy hotels and other facilities to house more chronically homeless people in the future. Many of these solutions require a hearty combination of funding, staffing, public support, political will, and geographic space, all of which can be difficult to wrangle. Meanwhile, the rates of homelessness continue to rise, reflected in the continued demand for shelter space in many areas. Last year, Mayor says the Denver metro region recorded a 300% increase in people seeking shelter during severe weather events, This year, that percentage might grow. Here's Steve Berg from the National Alliance to End Homelessness. We're 
concerned that there will be a lot more homelessness because of the economy and because of the coronavirus. The, the CDC has an eviction moratorium that has been, you know, somewhat effective. I'm not sure like exactly how effective it is and at least been somewhat effective at slowing down uh, evictions and that expires on December 31st. That could push, you know, potentially evictions to to be happening right in the height of winter. Yep. Yep, it could. An analysis by Columbia University based on data correlating unemployment rates and homelessness shows that by the end of 2020, homelessness could increase by as much as 45%. By the end of the year, all the current federal and state eviction moratoriums will expire, and no one wants a repeat of last year's record-breaking number of unhoused community deaths. As I've mentioned before, Bridge House reported 48 people died in 2019, and at least one death has already been recorded for this season after a cold snap in September drove temperatures below freezing overnight. Here's Greg Harms again, CEO of the shelter. There's not enough of everything. Um, And that's kind of the reality of our world, right? Right, it's not unique to Boulder. You know, there's... There's not enough housing available to... um, to get everybody out the streets and into a, a you know, a, a stable housing situation. So we have to prioritize. Nearly 500 chronically homeless people have been housed in the last three years, thanks to HSBC's work. Though many advocates are hesitant to celebrate as they argue consolidating most resources into permanent housing helps the few over the many introducing the need for selectivity into the system, and with it, the potential for discrimination and additional psychological traumas. Since this is the first year with these new guidelines, the shelter, the city, and HSBC are trying to be adaptable. When that first October snowstorm hit and temperatures stayed dangerously low for days, residents were allowed to stay in the shelter until 11.30 a.m., when they typically have to be out by 8 a.m., By lunchtime, though, it still hadn't warmed up above 15 degrees, so the city pulled together an emergency warming shelter at the West Agewell Center on Arapaho Avenue downtown. So by 1 p.m., if you could find a way from the shelter, about three and a half miles from the warming center, then you could get screened for COVID-19 symptoms and take your turn as one of the 30 people allowed inside at a time. Pop-up services like this are critical when the need arises, but when shelter spaces and warming amenities are weather-triggered rather than consistent, they can be confusing for unhoused people who might not have reliable access to phones or internet services, says Steve Berg from the National Alliance to End Homelessness. I I mean, you know, our our thought is that it's better practice to have it shelters open all the time and to be low barrier and anybody can come in and watch it. A week after that bone-chilling day, the shelter announced it would be expanding its criteria for keeping the shelter open all day. Now when the day's high temperature is 20 degrees or below, or if there's an expected six inches or more of snow, 
then clients are allowed to stay indoors as long as they'd like. In general, more consistency with severe weather sheltering and day services are two things Isabel McDevitt, executive director of Bridge House, has been pushing for years. You know, obviously it's important that people have a place where they can get out of the cold. Um, but also, importantly, you know, we see a need for a place where people can um, have daytime, you know, case management as well as, um, you know, opportunities to, to, you know, look for a job or make phone calls or, you know, um, you know, leave their stuff so that they can go to an appointment, you know, and have a place to come and go from. So, you know, we also see the need for day services beyond just, you know, weather weather needs. The city's new 7 p.m. curfew and the 30-day stay limit will change the dynamic of severe weather shelter, she says, and neither are a practice that Bridge House would have recommended. During her tenure running Boulder's severe weather sheltering program, McDevitt says she learned a curfew is problematic and counterintuitive. Often, someone doesn't realize they need shelter until well past 7 p.m., she says. What I've learned is, practically speaking, from running severe weather shelter for multiple years, a curfew is problematic and counterintuitive when, you know, a lot of the time what happens is someone doesn't realize they need shelter until well past 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. But police are picking people up on the street and they need, you know, they oftentimes need a place to take somebody, you know, who might be at risk. So a curfew from our experience was not something that, especially at that time of night, mm-hmm. was not something that we would have done for those reasons. You know, Bridge House has been very consistent in the sense of, you know, we do support, you know, permanent housing as the goal, but we also think that there needs to be um, a practical and, you know, well, a practical approach to making sure that we have a balanced system and access to, you know, life-saving programs like Severe Weather Shelter. it should be coordinated through a central point of entry, you know, but we also need to recognize that there's going to be people who need shelter that are not going to avail themselves of other services. And, you know, we, uh, we need to also um, appreciate that, that their lives are at risk if we don't provide at least, at least a temporary option. Right now, information about severe weather sheltering is disseminated via a hotline that people can call. And also the city and Boulder Shelter's websites. Email notices to service partners and social media also go out. But Greg Harms from the shelter told me word on the street is probably their best tool of communication. He says the 7 p.m. curfew, which has been in place for non-severe weather shelter beds for a long time, helps the operation, and in his experience, an earlier check-in time has led to fewer behavioral and safety concerns. As for the 30-day stay limit, Boulder's homelessness policy manager, Vicki Ebner, explained to me that they believe someone who's using the service for 30 nights shows a willingness to engage with programs and sheltering, and their plan is to help transition these folks into the year-round programs. 
From there, she says, the possibility of ending a person's homelessness is more likely. On behalf of the Metro Denver Homeless Initiative, Mayor applauds HSBC's response to the coronavirus this past spring, with its COVID-19 recovery center that was up and running in a matter of days, and success keeping an outbreak of the virus out of the shelter. But there are elements of HSBC's current system that, quote, we just don't honor. That includes HSBC's new six-month residency requirement for navigation or housing-focused shelter, in addition to the new severe weather shelter curfew and 30-day stay limit. These types of policies also go against recommendations from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. And as such, HSBC isn't allowed to use HUD funding in programs with such restrictions. Mayor questions why Boulder has implemented these requirements and doesn't know of any other shelters that have those kinds of requirements on them. It is common for shelters to have entry criteria, he says. But those tend to be about safety issues and making sure that, you know, anyone staying at the shelter isn't going to endanger anyone else staying at the shelter. And that I can understand. Almost all involved agree that more federal funding could go a long way in helping provide more temporary and permanent types of shelter, not only for this winter, but in the future of homelessness mitigation. With budgets stressed, volunteer fleets depleted, and unforeseen expenses continuing to accrue in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, everyone in the homelessness system is stressed, Mayor says. That's a scarcity issue, right? Like, this is... And you're going to find a lot of things that go on that are suboptimal because um, everyone in the homeless service system is managing scarcity. And, you know, if we saw people, you know, really willing to, you know, address the core issues and, 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 you know, resource the, the system the way it needs to be resourced, I think we would, you know, we wouldn't have to be faced with making those kinds of choices. You know, no one goes into, like, homeless services because they don't have empathy and compassion for people, right? Like, what's happening is that they're they're having to deal with the realities of not having enough to meet the demand. Remember Dan and Leslie from Camp Free Spirit? As winter turned the corner in October, they splintered off from the group they'd been camping with, and they started using the shelter. I met up with them a few days after the big October snow dump. What was um, what was all the snow like? Did that suck or? <laughs> Did it suck? Of course it sucked. We were out in it the first day. The city's messaging about scarcity and limited shelter opportunities has gotten to them, but other types of messages, the more implicit ones, the actions that speak louder than words, the ways they've been treated by the community at large, those have been the most potent and educational messages about what to expect living here unhoused. After a year in this city, they've learned a lot about its character. To be honest, I don't think we're going to be on Boulder much longer anyway. The couple is making plans to head west, to California or Washington, somewhere with better weather and anywhere where they'll feel they're received with more compassion. Do you feel unwelcome here? Very. Very, I all don't. the time. I do. I feel very unwelcome here because of that kind of stuff that happened with them in that apartment and just with people in general, really. I mean... I get that a feeling every now and then, but I don't let it but, get the best of me. I mean, most people just 
don't even pay attention. They just walk right on by, say good morning. But there are those, and there's a lot of them. As we call them, NIMBYs. Yeah, they just, they like to Fuck pretend them. like they're top shit and tell us that we can't be there for simply existing. And I'm just, poverty is not a crime. It's not. It's, it's, a, it's a state of being, and it just, sometimes it just happens. That's it for Unhoused, a six-part series analyzing how solutions to homelessness have and haven't changed in the wake of COVID-19's economic and social pressures. You can find the six written article counterparts at boulderweekly.com. This podcast is a collaboration between Boulder Weekly and KGNU. Big thanks to Angela K. Evans, the series producer, and giant kudos to Maeve Conran, our audio producer. I'm Emma Athena. I wrote and narrated this series. Thank you so much for listening.